The internet should be a safe space for everyone to be who they want to be, but sadly, there are lots of us who experience bullying online. Cyberbullying takes many forms, from hurtful comments to online harassment and cyberstalking. I'm one of many people who has experienced bullying online, so I know firsthand how it can affect you offline too. That's why I'm so proud to be partnering with Urban Decay to highlight their ongoing campaign with the CyberSmile Foundation, who are committed to promoting digital well-being. The campaign is called Online Bullying Hurts IRL, and it aims to educate people about how cyberbullying can affect mental health and offer support for those who need it. Urban Decay and CyberSmile have made educational modules and a digital changemaker toolkit, which are all designed so that we can recognize the signs, responsibly intervene, and positively change the conversation. Head to cybersmileeducation.org forward slash urban decay. We can build a safer world online for everyone by learning and talking and making positive impact through considered social media use. If you're struggling right now, we have got you. And remember to talk to people you trust. You are never alone offline, even if you feel it online. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Today, we're joined by the queen of, in her own words, music for the quietly unhinged, it's Maisie Peters. Iconic much? If you don't know about Maisie's story already, she started independently releasing music before Ed Sheeran signed her as the first artist on his own record label. And this year, she secured her first number one album with The Good Witch, which made her the youngest British female artist to go to number one in a decade. I catch up with Maisie as a stunning deluxe version of her album is released and at the end of her world tour to toast her incredible year. We also talk about dealing with negative comments online and why dating musicians is a red flag for her. And what I love most about this chat is Maisie's words on self-belief. So I hope you feel inspired to believe in yourself too, because you should, Baze, because you are amazing. So hello, Maisie. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am super well. And you are booked, busy and blessed at the moment, aren't you, babes? Because you are up and down, all around, touring at the moment. How is it going? It's going good. You have got me. Uh, I keep saying to people, I'm on my third pair of last legs. Um, so <laughs> I've, um, this is week like 12. We've toured America. We went to Japan. We went back to America. And now we're on our UK tour. And this is our last week. Um, this is my last Monday of tour, which is iconic. Oh my God. How are you feeling? Are you just like, when you say you're on your, your third last leg, walk me through what that is looking like and feeling like for you. Well, I would like a little girl rest and a little girl recovery, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I feel like I need a girl lie down, a girl sit down, um, a girl cook a meal in her own kitchen, a girl see her parents, all of those things. But like, also, I've had the best few months, so I'm living with me to look up. Oh my God, I love it. What's been the highlight? I mean, there's like so many different highlights. And also sometimes the highlights are like the silliest, smallest things. Um, it's like funny memories. Um, but... God, what have we even done? Where have I even been? Um, 
we well i went i spent um no actual time in hawaii but i did go to honolulu airport on a on a transfer and i've always wanted to go to hawaii so it's fun <laughs> to be in honolulu airport um that was really special you know getting to see hawaii from inside the airport not being able to leave that was really that was a bucket list moment almost it was like almost a bucket list oh my god <laughs> Did you at least get to see it from outside the window or not? Yeah, no, yeah, no. I um I actually it was it was the trenches. We went to Japan for one week and then we had to fly back to America and uh we got some very cursed flights and um the, the in the middle flight from so we went Japan, Hawaii, Hawaii, America, Hawaii, Portland. And um in Hawaii we were, you know, flew through the night, not, you know, the seats were like you're like this and you're like sort of apologizing to your neighbor because you're just like drooling on them and then we get to hawaii and then me and my guitarist and my photographer are like okay we're gonna go we're gonna treat ourselves we're gonna go into a lounge so we all pay for lounge access and we all get into the lounge and they're like oh by the way we have no food water or bathroom no bathrooms um so that was good so i could see the ab- and they also had dubious amount of windows but we all looked out of one window together uh at, at the palm trees and we thought that's nice <laughs> Though, who said that touring was glamorous or being a musician and pop star? Not me. I've never glamorous. claimed it. I've never claimed it. <laughs> oh my Never claimed God. it. Not me. Not one. But you are ticking off so many bucket list moments for you this year. I aside, am. Along with going to Hawaii. Because not only are you on tour at the moment ticking off so many incredible venues, you are about to sell out Wembley Arena. How on earth does that feel as an artist to know that you have got to that point? And have you been practicing Hello Wembley for like your entire life? Hi Wembley. Yes, I got to support Ed <laughs> Sharon at Wembley Stadium last year. So I got to say like Hello Wembley five times, which was iconic to be honest. Yeah. Um and it was good practice it was good practicing. Obviously it was just a gesture household for my own personal Hello Wembley. Um <laughs> and no, I'm really excited. I can't even believe it's actually this week. It feels like it's been forever away, forever. Um, but I'm kind of trying to not think about it too much because, you know, it will just happen and it will be great. And there's no point. I, I feel like if I think about it too much, I'll get scared. So I might as well just sort of push it away and repress it and just do it when it comes. Do you still really badly suffer from nerves or have you got much better at it? Uh, no, I don't really, uh, touch wood, suffer from nerves. I never really have. I don't think that to me, that's not like a nerve-wracking thing to do. There are other nerve-wracking things to do, um, but that's not that's not one of them. It's all strangers, and I can't see them anywhere. I have bad eyesight, so just like a bunch of random sort of blocks of of, of nondescript <laughs> shapes, and I'm just like la 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 la. And when you think about it like that, that's not very scary, is it? No. <laughs> I like the way of rationalising that. That's where I'm going to start thinking about if yeah. I ever have two things in public, I'm going to be like, oh, it's just undescript shapes. Big brain shapes. Yeah. Yeah, non-descript shapes. They go in uh, and you can't hear them anyway. <laughs> Love it. But aside from also doing Wembley, which we're, we're you know, preparing ourselves for, um, the mega achievements just keep coming for you this year. And you had your first number one album with the good witch and not only that you became the youngest british female solo artist to claim a number one album in almost a decade which is insane given all the hard work you've done to get to that point how good did that moment feel and where were you when you found out 
Yeah, it was so cool. I was really pleased, especially I was just pleased for my whole team, really. Like, there's, I've been working with the same people, some of the same people for like uh, six, seven years. And everyone's worked so hard and everyone's really believed in, in what we could do for the longest time. So it was so cool to achieve something like that. And we're in Sweden, we're in Stockholm um, because we were playing World Blues in Stockholm that day. So, uh, and I was with my band and my manager and my tour manager and we were all together. So it was really fun. And it, yeah, it's just like a cool, it's cool to put on your shelf, you know? Although I yeah. actually don't know where my number one's gone, true fact, because we were traveling so much that week. Like we went to New York for a day and we went to Sweden and we went to Kingston a million times to Bangkok Records. So we were traveling so much that so my tour manager took the number one and just had it with him. Also, it's heavy. It's actually really heavy. I'm, I, I've got a baggage allowance again, George. Touring, not glam. Me with my baggage allowance. I'm not. That's not counting towards my baggage allowance. We do I have room for awards. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I I need to bring two pairs of shoes, guys. And I'm trying to travel in my hand luggage here. So um, I don't know where the number one's gone, but I do need to find it because I need to put it in my house. Oh my god! I mean, it has been such an epic year for you, and I think it's such a fab time at this juncture in your career to take a look back at your journey and how you got to where you are now. So let's take it back to the very beginning for you. When did you first get the bug for performing? Um, I was writing songs when I was like 12. Um, I was, I borrowed my friend's guitar and I was writing songs. I was writing songs with my sister. Um, she wasn't, she wasn't that into the songwriting. Um, so I used to sort of ghostwrite for both of our school music projects. Um, and we were just, yeah, I would just make up songs all the time. And, and I did that for years. And then I had a YouTube channel and I was a busker and I played at Cider and Ale festivals. Very cool. Um, but I just liked singing and songwriting and I just wanted to do it as much as possible. And so I did it around the local area. That was me, that annoying girl singing <laughs> in the club with the old men, the old men like, shut up no they loved me they actually used to call me an angel which is sort of dubious now but they loved me back then <laughs> i love it and then you literally go from performing for old men to literally being signed the first act to be signed by ed sheeran on his own record label that support from such an incredible artist must have empowered you in so many ways how do you think that relationship and friendships have really shaped you and encouraged you and what kind of advice has he given you that's been able to you to have the self-belief to get out there and do and achieve the amazing things you're achieving really i think that i mean ed's amazing he's such a wonderful person he's a great friend he's a great great mentor and um he's just so generous and kind um and he always has been and uh, to me and to everybody and so it's really amazing to be able to go on tour with someone like that and learn from them and, and see the way they like conduct themselves and conduct their business it's just yeah it's really amazing i'm a huge fan always will be but he's like yeah he's like my biggest cheerleader and and is very supportive um and it's given me lots of advice of course none of which is suitable to be said uh um to you on, on the record but it's all great <laughs> advice um and all highly appropriate no i'm joking well am i who knows but um He's just like, but he's the best. I'm like the number one biggest Ed Sheeran fan in the world. Everybody knows it. Like, while I was on the Ed Sheeran support tour, I would be there every single night just going, and I knew all my favorite songs. I would like knew the songs that I needed to run out to be there for, like, Goy Girl, duh, um, don't, duh. Uh, honestly, I'm a huge 
I mean, I've got some more niche ones. I'm a big afterglow stand, but I also like could just shape of you, get me there, get me to that <laughs> barrier. Um, so yeah, I lo- basically, I love Ed Sheeran. I love it. So you basically just get to be a fangirl when you go and support him. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. It's a free stunning. concert every stunning. time. Just me. Literally, I'm like, this is why, everyone's always like, what's your favorite thing about being on the, on the tour? And I'm like, seeing the Ed Sheeran show every night. Don't, do you know the hit? Do you? Because I do. I know all the hits backwards. I've seen the Ed Sheeran show probably like, how many shows do we work have we done? Like 60 something? I've seen the Ed Sheeran show 60 something times. And I will go again. The thing about me is I will go again. I go and I'm not doing it. I went to an Ed Sheeran show and I wasn't the support. It was on, he was doing a smaller show and I was like, I'll come. I just like to go. It's my home. <laughs> that is some severe dedication there, babes. Six, 60 plus shows. Yeah, I'm there. Sign me up. I love it. And it must have been when we look back now at what you've done to get to where you are now, there must have been so many times as well where you must have thought as well, oh my God, this is ever gonna happen for me. When is there a moment you've really dug the deepest? I feel like you have lots of little versions of that, um, but you kind of can't ever have that. Well, I've never had that to a to a huge amount because then you would actually just give up. Um, but I... After I released my first album, sort of after the first week it came out, and it's funny because if I when I say this now, the album did super well. It went to number two in the charts, and and actually, within hindsight, like now looking back, it, that album was really important for me, and a lot of people found me through that album. A lot of people loved that album, um, and I was always so proud of that album. But sort of a few weeks after it came out, it was the end of COVID, so I wasn't touring it, and it been out for a few weeks. So everyone was kind of like, "Great, wonderful, move on. What are we doing next?" And I kind of had a low period where I was like, "I don't know." I don't know if that's the best I'll ever do or the best I'll ever be. And I don't know if I've sort of peaked and I need to accept that. And I felt like that I was, it was crazy. I was like 21 and I felt like I was too old and, and I'd already had my moment and I wasn't cool enough or interesting enough. Um, just, you know, classic thoughts that everybody has. And, and I had that quite severely at the time. But I sort of, I did speak to some friends about it. I spoke to somebody on my team called Gabby about it. And we had a really good conversation in Churchill Arms and, Nothing hell if anyone knows that part. Um, and then I just decided to, it's funny because I sort of decided, I was like, well, I'm just going to try my hardest. And I got really into TikTok after that. And I released a few singles uh, the year post my album that sort of went on to like do really cool things. And I did a song called Kate's Brother and a song called Blonde. And like, they're so fun and they're so fiery and like really uh, moved me on in my career, I think, and, and took me to new places. And I think I learned so much, but I, I still, I made like a conscious decision. I was like, no, like, not it's not over not which is crazy it's very dramatic of me um but what what can i say i'm i'm a high achiever um and yeah i was like i'm just gonna keep pushing and keep trying and and i'm gonna and i'm gonna reach new heights and i'm gonna do bigger things and i just am going to um and then with this album sort of again like there was i it's been amazing releasing this album it's been a crazy year like oh my god i need a girl rest but it's been amazing and the response to it and the things I've done and the tours we've done have just been like amazing. So it goes to show it's not it's not over till it's over, even though no one was telling me it was over apart from myself and my demons. Mm. Have you learned to really trust your own self-belief then? Yeah. Yeah. I say to people all the time, like when people ask for advice, um, I say to people that the number one thing, I mean, you should write a lot of music and you should make sure that you really love your music. Um, because if you love it, somebody else will love it. But also, people ask me about imposter syndrome, and I do. I 
homeposter syndrome and lots of the aspects of my career, obviously. Like I've like had huge imposter syndrome with performing on stage and touring because that was never my strength really. I was always like the songwriter first and and I had to learn how to be a performer and I always and I've always did and still do occasionally feel insecure about, you know, how I am on stage and I can't really dance and all these things. And it's like, well, how do I I've had to really like work hard and and, and just sort of block out the internal um internal commentary on that. But one thing I will say is that I don't have I've always had this sort of like um backbone of belief in myself as a musician and as a songwriter and I've always believed that I was just as good as as whoever else you know is is doing it and I've always believed that I have that the music I make is, is good and important and worthwhile and I've always believed that I that I am capable of, of making that music and of, and of and of writing those songs and 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 yeah and I think that's in I don't know if I could have gotten to where I am without having that because it's really hard and there's lots of people that doubt you and, and there's a million things that can trip you up and you can feel insecure about so it's good to have at least one thing where you're like no I know that I'm good at this I know that I can do this mm. and you're more than good at it babes you are incredible and one of the things I love about your music yeah. and I love this when I was prepping for this interview I found this quote that you described your music as like I say my music is for the quietly unhinged and I'm literally obsessed with that because Period. <laughs> I yeah. am definitely quietly unhinged on so many levels. And I mean, also BSC, which is aka Batshit Crazy, your song is highly relatable on so many levels. When do you think you've been your peak Batshit Crazy? Well, I was I was giving BSC last year. I was giving Needs to be Jailed. That's uh, why I wrote the song. Um, but the whole point of BSC is that, like, it's for the girls who you don't, they don't appear to be BSC because... Like the whole point of the song is like you think I'm all right, but I'm actually uh, insane, and I definitely I am definitely that all the time. I'm good at sort of keeping within. I literally say I am I am I'm I've gone within. I do I go within, but within demons demons. The keyword of this podcast is demons, and <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. I've said it like three times. We've all got them. <laughs> Let's get real. So true. Yeah. So true. Let's get real. Demons are everywhere. But you know, it is relatable. And like that that is what is so great about your music because you tackle so many topics in your music that we all need to be talking about more. Um, from body image to breakups to mental health to everything. And I was just wondering what has your music helped you process and deal with? How's it been therapeutic to you? Um I just love music. I love making music. I love talking about music. I love other people's music. I love music full stop. And I think that when um, things are difficult or when you're you're struggling with something, or even if you don't know that you are, having something that you love, that you're so passionate about, that is like an escape for you because it's it's this place where you're you're like, you know, regardless of what else is going on, it's something that is so consuming and and so full of life to you it's like there's so many worlds within music that i'd love to live in uh, be it my own or other people's and i think that's so important for me and that has been important for my life this month marks anti-bullying week and world kindness day so you might have noticed this series of rain is all about how we can build a safer and more welcoming world online 
Bullying, both online and offline, can affect your mental health. And as someone who's experienced bullying in both worlds, I know how isolating that can be. So it feels really special to be partnering with Urban Decay and Cybersmile to talk about their online bullying hurts IRL campaign. Head to cybersmileeducation.org forward slash Urban Decay to find Urban Decay and Cybersmile's educational modules and their digital changemaker toolkit to help call out and stop cyberbullying for good. Together, we can and we will make the internet and social media a safe space for me, for you, and for everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've also given a voice to people who have ended up in situationships as well, because you say the the Good Witch is kind of sort of a breakup album, and also includes talking about relationships that were almost relationships but are hard to get over. Like, how has right. that helped you deal with that aspect of your life and the romance of life? Well, I mean, I love I love writing music about my own life. It's yeah, romanticizing is is always wonderful. But it's also nice to look back on. It's nice to remember, and and it's nice to have those memories sort of within music forever. And uh, yeah, it's like sort of Im- immortalizing something. And I even think it's sort of nice in a weird way to immortalize the bad as well as the good because uh, it makes something important. And it's I wouldn't you rather be important than than not mentioned. Um, so yeah, I sort of have a I have a like soft soft lens on it all really especially as you get older and 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 you can sort of look back on on situations and and think that wasn't that just funny or wasn't that just character forming if nothing else um and yeah i I love having it as a sort of it's something go hand by hand 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 in hand with my own life as sort of the music about my own life and i think i'll i'll love it as i mean i already do love it now but when i'm older and looking back i think i'll be so grateful i think after you've written and sung about so much stuff around breakups and heartbreak, it can really help you process that stuff. So now in your life, from writing that, what is a red flag to you? Oh, Lord. Um, what's a red flag? Uh, well, if you're any... I, I wouldn't... I would never date myself. So <laughs> got to be... I'm, it's a sort of... No more uh, professional musicians for me. No more. I don't want to be written about. no which is so unfair because you bet i'm writing about you but um yeah that's my my number one as as of right now i'm in my no no professional musician you can yes i'll be a musician that's wonderful i love that i thought for a minute you just meant you just wouldn't date yourself also true i'm not interested in myself um so also true but no i'm i'm talking i'm sort of directly my own character and, and and profession at least you know now babes no listen i've had a much better year um that's all i'm gonna say we've really <laughs> gone after the world i love that on this series we are talking a lot about exercising kindness to others and also ourselves 
when do you think you learned to be kinder to yourself? Well, I I really value kindness in other people, and and I really hate judgmental people uh, or people who who can't sort of be open minded to to other others and and you know and recognize that what makes someone else happy might not be what makes you happy but that's okay um and i really value that as a as a trait in myself and in other people um and i think it's really important the older i get the more i'm like it's really important that um yeah we just are really compassionate towards each other and 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 respect each other and 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 are really kind yeah with especially i think nowadays you know it's like a more fraught and divided world than ever. And I think the only way to combat that is to be really kind and compassionate and have really important conversations with people and 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 but do that with like real respect and, and kindness. And I've really learned that in the past few years. And so I think you have to take that same attitude and and, and have it towards yourself as well. Because otherwise if, if you're not doing it to yourself, you're not going to be good at doing it to others. When haven't you been kind to yourself? Do you think? I'm not really sure. I think lots of lots of life, you you're not kind to yourself. Um, I guess you know everyone. I have high standards for myself, as does everybody else. And there's always you know when you're especially doing what I do, like it is very competitive and it's very comparative in its nature, and it, and it's hard to not compare yourself to you know x y and z and and these people you think are doing better than you or or look better than you or cooler than you and i'm definitely a a fallen uh, victim to that so i guess it's just really important to remind yourself that there is room for everybody and also i'm sure like as these feelings you feel about somebody else somebody feels about you 100 percent, and you've got to learn on that journey to respect and to keep on your own path haven't you yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a key thing. And we're also talking a lot about anti-bullying week on this series too. And we're talking about bullying both IRL and online. And being a musician in today's world, you have to be very present online. You have to be involved with social media nonstop. Have you experienced bullying in real life or online? Um, it's it's inescapable. Um uh- you know twitter is a is a is a place that exists um and uh yeah it's inescapable people are going to have opinions on you and um it's it's a fact of life and and if you're if you're somewhat even somewhat a public figure then you open yourself up to be discussed essentially which is interesting and um you know and people smarter than me talk about this but i i definitely have experienced it and it's it's funny because it's easy to say before you have you know it's just it's just like one or two people in comparison to the whole world and these people don't know you and and it doesn't matter and you shouldn't let it affect you but of course it does and and of course it's really hard to to read strangers you know saying mean things to be honest and it's really difficult and it's hard to forget and it's also hard to tune out of but equally the best thing to do is probably just to ignore it and i do try and do that i mean i never really engage with it and with in the past I've, I've tried not to engage with it because i think that um there's no you do just feed it and it's and it's really it's not even worth engaging with because there's a million sweet lovely people saying the loveliest things and those are the people who you should give time and, and energy to but yeah it definitely is is something that i've had to deal with and, 
increasingly and has been difficult. Have you learned to deal with it? Is it by talking about it to others or is it through just trying to change your relationship to it? Um, yeah, I definitely talk about it with, you know, people that I'm close with and and they're wonderful um, and really supportive and understanding. And then, yeah, I to be honest, the, I find the best thing to do is just to sort of distance yourself from it, I guess, and, and focus on what is important in your real life and your family and your friends and, and the music you're making and the shows you're playing and the people that are going to those shows. That's what's important. Yeah, focusing on the positives. And I think that is also something sometimes that must be quite hard to do as a musician when you is it quite difficult sometimes to not define your worth by numbers and streams and have you ever had to kind of readdress where you look at and define your worth in any way yeah definitely um you could ask any musician right now i'm sure they'd all say the same thing it's just that it's like a like really difficult time to be a musician and and yeah having you know real-time numbers on your followers and your views and your streams and your and your t- and your TikTok account and this and that and um, there's never been such a numerical value on on like human beings and art and um, when that's also your job and then that's what you do and it's also a way to sort of that you can see the impact of what you do even though it's not really but you, the impact is on like real people and their real life connection with the music but yeah it definitely is hard and I to be honest. That is something, though, that as you get older, you really do just see that you're like, ah, oh, this isn't the be-all, end-all, and, like, touch wood, everything comes out in the wash, and, and 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 I'm really lucky. I have, like, amazing fans, and I play amazing shows, and I have an amazing team. Like, I'm so, so lucky. So I just have kind of taken the approach of, like, you know, like, what will, what will people be, and what matters is the real-life you being. Within that, though, do you find there's a pressure to keep going and keep rolling, keep the success rolling. And have you ever been guilty of thinking, oh my God, there's only a certain amount of time to achieve my dreams? Or have you put a timeline on your dreams before? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of that pressure is internal because you have, you know, I have expectations for myself, but also, yeah. And especially as someone you know, identified as a woman and, 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 it's definitely a societal timeline on on how long, uh, or at least up until now at this point in history, you know, how long women are allowed to uh, be in the public eye and, and achieving sort of like mainstream success. But I do think that's really, hopefully, and I do think in actuality changing and there's lots of amazing women doing amazing things right now who are, you know, older than the allotted, alleged time they were allowed to have um, societally. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think it's easy to feel like you're running out of time and you're too old and, um, you know, and to chase something, but it's just, you lose your mind if you chase something too hard. You sort of just have to, to, to live your life and, and make the music you want to make and, and make the choices you want to make and, and, and really just hope that everything else swallows suit. And the music industry is 100% changing in terms of representing and turning up for women, but it's traditionally always been a industry that's so preoccupied and concerned with youth, image and desirability. And it can be quite a pressurized environment, I think, in certain ways for a woman to be in that industry. What pressures do you feel like you've had or been at the receiving end of as a female artist in the music industry? sort of lots of subconscious ones and also it's not really you know I always want to 
add that I really do have like a really great team. And I also work with a lot of women um, and I'm, I am very lucky. I work with a great team. I just think that there's just really obvious things. You know, there's definitely like there's been more conversation about what I wear and what my hair looks like, I'm sure, than some of my male counterparts. And there's also an assumption that I'm not writing everything I make. Uh, and there's an assumption that uh, I, you know, I, what I, it's not okay to just be, you know, it's like, what else can you do? What else can you offer? What else are you bringing? Um, and I think that's an inherently very female thing. You're only really ask women that. Um, but as I said, I do think it's changing and it definitely has changed even within the time where I've been in the industry. And um, I'm really hopeful for like the next generation and also for my generation, I think like there's so many amazing, also I, I want to say like amazing, amazing women, especially in like, the UK music industry right now. I think like um, I have a lot of friends that are just doing amazing things and I love like Griff and uh, Holly Humberstone and uh, Rachel Turner Ruby. And I see, I saw Baby Queens coming on like soon because I saw we were both in a tweet on the podcast and like everyone's doing such cool things. And I love all of those, all of their music. And um, I'm so inspired by all of them. And they all do such different things and totally own what they do. So I think it's a great time as well to be making music as a woman right now. Mm. And it's amazing to have that sisterhood around you. Yeah, it's been amazing just getting to watch everybody's journey. And yeah, I definitely, I've got a lot of really great friends. Like my friend Kate and Tommy LaFroy, good friends of mine. And um, yeah, Griff, I saw the other day for breakfast and we caught up and talked about a lot of things. And yeah, it's, it's really great. And I guess as well, you have to really have a very strong relationship with yourself, like we've said throughout this podcast, really. And within that, you know, when you're tired and you're having to like go around the world all the time and you have these pressures in social media, you have other societal pressures, how have you learned to really look after your mental health? And what's helped you look after your mental health, do you think? Um, I think that I just try, I tour with like my best friends. So we all look out for each other and we all, um, yeah, like check in and it's, we're like the best of friends. It's like my band and I are like best, best friends. So we all check out. I look out for each other, check in, and, and you just have to do little things. You just have to like try and get your favorite snack at the airport, and like and like um, buy little treats, and just like do funny little silly things. It's because like and like have like read good books, and just yeah, like it's, it becomes about the little things for sure. It's totally, and also within that, it's about looking after and changing your mindset when you need to change things up a bit. Has there been a time you've really changed up your mindset? What has maybe been the biggest thing you've changed about your mindset before? Um, I guess, you know, I mean, all the time, especially within the last few months. Like, I've been on tour for three months, basically. I've got, and I've been home for one day, two days. Um, and, and it's not, as I said, we all have it's not glamorous. It's a lot of airports and hotel rooms by yourself and showering in a venue um, where the venue showers, like, I hope no no mortal ever has to go on one if they don't have to and like being away from your friends and your family and your loved ones and that's really hard and be and missing everything all the time and and never eating home-cooked meat like I've not eaten a vegetable I have cooked for three months um and it's hard and you and you but all the time and you have to say to yourself you know you have to shake yourself and be like this is what you wanted and and 
this is amazing and you're doing this for the right reasons and the shows are, are amazing and it's and this is why you're doing this but i have to do that all the time because it is hard to 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 be away and, and to live this life and and also i say that it's like i'm a hugely privileged i tour in an amazing way and i'm i'm being lucky as i say but also you can just get tired and think i would quite like to go home but yes. i'm in dallas so i guess i won't um, <laughs> And yeah, that's a mindset change all the time. And I mean, you are literally living out your dreams and doing the things you've always wanted to do. And you even host group manifestation sessions for your fans. Like, how has manifestation helped you achieve what you want to achieve? I think that I did one to try and get a number one album when I was in New York. I think that's what you're referring to. I definitely do let everyone hold hands and say, get to wish to number one. Yes. Um, and that was giving Delulu crazy. I was giving, actually, I'd had two hours of sleep and I'd gone insane. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I always say, like, I had to say the good witch with a pinch of salt because I'm not, I'm not a witch. Um, you know, I'm not the number, a number one expert on, on witchery. But mm-hmm. I do like, I am a superstitious and I do like to touch wood and I do like to, um, yeah, I definitely am superstitious. And I also think, yeah, it's good to sort of speak into existence. Or at least I'm always like, I hack up people I know because I'm like, I refuse to like be excited about something until it's happened. Or like, say I'm like really looking forward to someone, like, you know, like when I'm flying to somewhere and I'm like, I'm really excited to see somebody and I'm like, well, I'm not going to say it in case my train gets, in case my plane gets delayed or my train gets cancelled. So I like refuse to say it because I think that the universe is going to take it out of me. Well, clearly manifestation or group manifesting after two hours sleep really works for you babe because you got that number mm-hmm. one album at the end of it I know, I so you're living proof often. it works thank god living proof baby <laughs> yeah when you're actually gonna have the rest you can like reconvene think about what you need get some friends around get the chance going and before you know it yeah can't wait there'll I'll be, be a number one album coming your way Perfect. Ideal. Great. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Now, before you go to go get your rest, and it's been so great talking to you today, but we always end the podcast on one last question. And that is, in the reign of your life, what's the one rule you'll always live by? Um, I actually was just talking to my friend about this last night. So this is convenient. Um, I would say my my advice I give often, or like I take often as well. I do think I take this often is to pick your battles um pick those hills you're gonna die on pick them wisely and yeah i definitely think life is short but it's also long and i just try and live peacefully you know i'm i'm here for a peaceful time so mm. i'm trying to and i'm trying to care about the right things so pick your battles yeah it's so hard to pick your battles sometimes though is there when you're like i'm enraged about this yeah but I find that I can move over. I can get past something fairly quickly. I, I know someone who says I live on 10x speed. Um, and I'll just like go through all the emotions of that one thing at 10x speed. And then like an hour later, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine now. I'm over it. Like, I'm done. It was an hour ago. How are you over it? I'm like, I'm done, I'm done now. You're just very good at processing, which I think is a great skill to have in life. Speed process. Speed process. Well, babes, keep going, keep thriving until you can get that break. And thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's was super fun.
Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.